0: Thank you. Welcome to It Is Written Canada, thank you for joining us. Often when we look back on our lives, we see a chain of circumstances where one decision led to the next and the next, and we realize that each decision led us to where we are today.
1: And especially if we have dedicated our lives to the Lord, we see a magnificent tapestry of colorful events, which may not always be easy, but when we see God's hand in them, we would have our life no other way. This was certainly true for Paul and Raquel and Tunes, who are a special guests on Eddie's Written Canada today. Paul and Raquel, welcome to Eddie's Written Canada. Thank,
2: Thank you, you so much. That's it's an cool. honor for us to be here.
1: So Raquel, you were originally from Brazil, and I know that your childhood was quite different to Paul's. So, can you tell us about it before we talk to Paul?
3: Sure. Um, I was born in a family of uh, six siblings. I was the only girl. And uh, by the time I was 22 months old, um, I had to go and live in an Adventist orphanage because my mom had some, um, some mental problems and she was in and out of a psychiatric hospital. And my father had to make a living. And uh, I would be with neighbors, church members, and my brothers would be in the street. And my father thought, you know, that's not a good situation. So he heard about an Adventist orphanage, like um, two and a half hours away from our city. And uh, he inquired, and um, they accept us. So I went there. I was 22 months old. I was still in diapers. And um, so, I had to share for me, like I say my parents, with 21 more kids. And I always had in my mind, you know? You know, maybe I'm being selfish here, but I want my own family. I don't want to share my parents with so many kids, you know? Once we went to a a store, a big um, department store, And I remember when we we got uh, money to buy rollerblades, and I remember when the elevator opened up, this lady saw this bunch of kids coming out, and she said, oh, the door of the foster home opened up. You know, she made that comment. And we tried to brush it off, and you know, but you always, you know, in your mind, you always had this in your heart. You know, I don't want to, sometimes you don't like to be different, That's right, I don't want to be different. I want to have my own family. So I always, that start in my mind that I want to have a family just for me that I could call, that's my family. I don't need to share with anybody else.
0: Did you ever see your own father and your mother?
3: Yes, they would, especially my father, he would come every month and he would visit us on Sundays and he would take the train and spend the day with us and the end of the day, we would take him to the train station. And my heart was broken. I remember my, my father, that my foster father, I don't know how you, you name him, he'll be holding me. And I remember saying goodbye and crying. And I would say, dad, dad. So was, uh, I was torn because I already loved my new parents, but um, I miss my dad too. I didn't know my mom back then, I didn't know much. I heard of her when I was three years old.
0: So was there any of a religious experience that you had or a spiritual understanding that came to you at some stage in in your development?
3: When I was about 14 years old, I went to a Christian uh, spiritual retreat and we were studying about um, Ruth and Boaz and that's my one of my favorite uh, romantic story in the bible and i remember they broke out us in groups of two to pray and i they put me with this 28 year old single lady and she really wants to get married and she says should we pray for a husband and i thought you know i'm not that old yet i'm not thinking about that but you know i i didn't have the courage to say no to her and then we pray, but then that clicked something in me, and I said, why not, you know? I know I'm young, I'm not going to marry now, but I want i want a, a pastor because I want to serve God to give back what, everything he has done in my life and provide for me. And I want a Christian, a real Christian one, not a fake one, a man that would be a good husband to me and a good um, father for my future you know, kids. And, and I want one more thing, Lord, I want a boy and a girl. So, so then through, through, you know, until I met him, you know, I had very clearly that in my heart. But I I know that didn't come from me. I know it came from the Lord because the Bible says that God put this in your heart. That's right.
0: And now you have a husband who is a pastor, pastor, chaplain here at Chinook Wind School. And also you have a boy and a girl.
3: Yes, a boy and a girl.
0: So Paul, I want to um, start with your father. Um, He made a lot of decisions, a series of decisions, which influenced your life
2: in a big way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, my father was a very decided person. And so when it came, um, you know, as we were growing up, we were very faithful Catholics and you know, I was baptized Catholic. My brother was every Sunday. We were in mass and as families we'd celebrate, uh, you know, those moments of going to mass. I remember that I don't remember but I remember hearing my parents tell me that it was around the mid 70s that my parents became Canadians and uh, with that the Gideon Society gave my mom and dad a Bible and my father literally devoured the Bible, not once, not twice, but three times. He was in pursuit of biblical truth. He's like, I just, it just really meant something to him. And it's just this whole understanding of Jesus Christ and, and his love. And so my father began actually church searching. and But we continued going to mass every Sunday. And um, I remember once, Sunday morning, as we were getting ready to go to um, church, um, my father put the TV on, and in that moment, a program began to play, which just so happened to be, It Is Written, with Pastor George Vandeman, and at the time it was uh, the American It Is Written, and um, long story short, my father began watching it more and more as we continued to go to Mass, and then I remember one day, all of a sudden, the doorbell ringing, and you know my brother and i were like who's there right and all of a sudden my parents introduce us to this pastor pastor ted wasalek and uh, he's always been someone so special in our life and his family and um, i remember him coming in and of course this is mid 70s so technology folks was way different right you remember and so he he literally brought this slide projector like this this looks like a box really and he began showing this biblical cartoon if you would and just, my brother and I were like, wow! And then he came to the end of it, and that first time he came to the end of it, he, he opened the Bible and began teaching about the Bible. My, my brother and I were like, huh? Ah. So we were out of there. And my parents began to study. Now, I need to be honest, in the beginning, my mom was like, ah, oh, she just wasn't buying this. Her family began saying, what are you guys up to? Like, this is really different, right? Portuguese make their wine. Portuguese make their sausage. Portuguese make their moonshine you know I remember going to to Portugal to the little village of Paim because there might be some Portuguese listening here and and, uh, actually stepping in the area where they put all the grapes and then crushing with your feet you know the grape juice and you know these memories flooding and uh, but my parents began to continue to study and um, my father said well let's start going to church my mom wasn't quite ready And so she continued working as a hairdresser on Saturdays. And uh, I remember the first Sabbath we got to church. And Mike Renee, it was, for me, it was really special. Um, My dad was, he went into the church and then I was taken to Sabbath school. And I'm like, Sabbath school, what's that, right? And immediately as I'm walking down the hallway, someone took me down there, I don't know who, And I remember hearing music, and it's like, wow! I just like was a magnet for me, and I was listening to that music. And so my brother and I were just like, we really fell in love with it. And um, it took a little while, but my parents, with the Bible studies, uh, they finally decided in accepting the Seventh Day Sabbath message from the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and um, were baptized in the Vancouver um, Adventist Church. And uh, so yeah, it was a really special. Uh, experience but for my family they're like you guys are crazy like you're leaving all this behind but they respected us right because it's like it's like it's crazy but at the same time well it's your journey right yeah
1: so Paul did you experience any challenges to your faith
2: you know what yes um growing up in a Portuguese home which is lots of dancing and upbeat music and excitement. And I remember, you know, you changing from the religion that we, we, we did all that. And I remember when I hit my 10, 11 year old time, I started getting into rock and roll and I could just fire off a whole bunch of Bands I used to listen to, and and I loved, it. and it's like the the stronger the beat and the louder the better. But I remember a lot of times my mom would come running down the hallway, and she said, "Paul, turn off that stuff. It's no good for you." And I'm like, "Oh, mom, give me a break." But anyways, you know, it went um a few years like that, and I just kept on and kept on, and my mom would just plead, and I wouldn't. And I you know I remember one summer specifically where uh, my brother and I we were working in the berry patch. So we would always work. I was probably about 10 when I started working in the berry patch. My brother's seven and a half and so my mom would say, okay guys go, we'd ride our bikes to the berry patch and we would work strawberries and raspberries. And for us to be able to get more, we had the Walkmans on, you you know, the Walkmans cassette, you know. Some of our audience is not gonna get it, you guys. (laughs) And uh, I remember listening and I was always in search of a faster beat to be able to pick faster and it's just what I liked and it got to the end of that summer and I started feeling this loneliness and this emptiness and I really wasn't sure why I was feeling that and I was changing the channels trying to find that right song and I couldn't and I was about to turn the Walkman off when all of a sudden I landed on a Christian radio station and I'd heard songs in the church and it was just there was no life and God was working in me and he was wooing me and I had no idea and the song that literally began to play was a song entitled God and God Alone by Steve Green and from that moment I was glued to what was then called KLYN 106.5 in Linden, Washington and I just loved Um, listening to all the artists at the time and the songs, they were just so filling to me and it was at that moment that God really gripped me. I had always loved music but He really gripped me and I had the dream now to become a Christian recording artist at the age of 15, whatever it was at the time. And I'm like as if I could understand anything really. Um, And yet God works in unbelievable ways. And so, um, you know, my parents had moved from Richmond when we became Adventists to Aldergrove, BC, to go to Fraser Valley Adventist Academy. And so, you know, our life really changed. And so it was really cool how God led at that time and and really brought me out of that.
0: So God was leading you through music and you decided at some stage to become a minister.
2: Yeah, I was around 17 years of age working at, um, it was then called uh, Camp Chawathan and that's the Mountain View Camp um, in Hope. And uh, it was my first day at camp. I was gonna be a staff and whatever else they were gonna get me to do. And I remember specifically uh, we had uh, a communion service and we sang and the communion service and at the end of that communion service, it was just really touching and they opened it up for us teenagers to share. And we began to just share from our hearts. And it just all of a sudden it came out of my heart. It's like, you know, I wanna be a youth pastor. And I remember pastor Jim Gall said, you haven't even gone into the summer yet. Are you sure you want to be a youth pastor without experiencing working with me, with youth? And I'm like, yeah, I just feel it. So it was really special. And so from that moment on, it was music and theology, and I was going to do it. And little did I know, my mom and dad, specifically my dad, he really wanted me to relearn Portuguese, and. They decided he decided to send me I'm going to be specific, because Mom wasn't on in favor with this move either. She's, uh, he said, "I would love, Paul, I'd never thought of going, "Why don't you go to Brazil and you can relearn the Portuguese, you know, stay there for a semester and have an experience?" And, and it was no. You know, I just didn't know what to expect and stuff. And you know, that very next summer, uh, my parents met a couple of Brazilians at Camp Hope, um, and I remember them finally coming to our home, and they talked about Brazil, they talked about the beaches, they talked about the weather, they talked about the music, because they already knew I love music, and they actually talked about the women. But the girls are so beautiful, I'm like, I'm dating a nice girl here. And so anyways, um, those Brazilian friends, they started saying, hey Paul, this would be really, really special for you to go. Long story short, I graduated in 90, and in August of 90, I was on a plane headed to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I remember when we landed in Sao Paulo, when we, when I landed in Sao Paulo, Brazil, I remember saying goodbye to my mom and dad. All my family came to the Vancouver airport because it's like, no, Paulito está Paulito is leaving. You know, was, I was always the little Paulito, and as I, you know, always, um, we were always together as a family, right? And uh, so, I landed in Sao Paulo and the first shock was like the cold. I landed in August. They do have a winter. It's not like ours here in Alberta, but they do have one. And I remember going straight uh, to our Adventist University in Sao Paulo and it's a beautiful campus. And I remember going straight to the theology department and I remember meeting the secretary there and she, you know, we did their introductions and she said, did you ever meet this guy by the name Bill Santos. And I'm like, no, I don't know who Bill Santos is. Like, Canada's big, right? Where, where'd he live? Toronto, I'm like, well, no. Like, technology was much different back then, right? And so, anyways, of course, I ended up meeting Pastor Bill Santos, which was one of our uh, It Is Written speakers before you folks. And um, so I remember that first month in Brazil. And the first week was fine, but then I went to the university Um, because I spent a week with those friends that I'd met in Canada. And I remember that we, um, that I came there and the loneliness. And I remember one day being at the piano, I said, God, I'm feeling so lonely. And um, I was just saying, God, please help me through this. And I remember the day that I met (laughs) this beautiful woman beside me. And I'm like, whoa that she's exactly what I'm looking for. And uh, is just connecting in a totally new environment. And God knew that I needed that. And I spent um, six and a half years in Brazil. I fell in love, not with just um, this amazing, beautiful uh, woman. Um, I fell in love with the people, uh, the culture, and it really changed my life.
1: So, Raquel, can you tell us your side of the story?
3: Yes, um, when he arrived at the university, everybody knew because we Brazilians love as foreign people. We call them gringos. And we knew he was a gringo because he wore um, socks up to the middle of his legs and a very colorful shorts with a tie on and a backpack and a Walkman. So we knew he was not Brazilian. That's right, because Brazilians are so focused on their looks. <laughs> so something in me said, "I like this guy." You know, I like what he's saying, unless he's not—he's fake. And I had a classmate in nursing school that he was his roommate. So I asked him, "How is him really?" You know, at the dorm, like you're his roommate. Is he really the way he shows, you know, and on the campus? And then my uh, classmate said, but, but aren't you dating? I said, yes, but I'm going to break up with him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew I didn't, it didn't work, it was not working. And then, you know, I want to see where he was, so I will follow him. I was trying for him not to notice me, but I will not speak to him. I would know, I would not say hi, I would just follow him where he was. But my friend, he, he noticed that. He said, she's following you. <laughs>
0: And now you have a beautiful family, and family is big in your life, Raquel. And before I ask you questions about that, we're going to listen to a song called Love at Home. Have you ever heard this song before?
3: Yes, and I sing that song. We sing that that song
2: at orphanage uh, quite often. Wow, Uh,
0: that's remarkable. Yeah,
2: you know, we could sing the song a little bit with you guys if you don't mind a cappella. That would be super. (laughs) Oh, great. Let's run with it. There is beauty all around when there's love at home There is joy in every sound when there's love at home Peace and plenty here abide, Smiling fair on every side. Time doth softly, sweetly glide When there's love at home. Love at home. Love at home. home. I'm doth softly, sweetly glide, when there's love at home.
0: Raquel, that song Love at Home, very beautiful. I, I know that because I grew up in an orphanage, I understand how important Family is to you. So explain to our viewers how important family is to you.
3: Yes, I could write a, a, a Ph.D. book on it, you know. But to summarize, you know, um, family. There's nothing important this earth for me than my family. That's right. And my one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I pray when we had hard time to to conceive. We dealt with infertility too. Is Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give the desires of your heart, and He gave the desires of my heart. We are not perfect. We have our challenges, but when I look at my husband, look at my children, I I thank God every day for them. When I'm folding their laundry, I said, thank you, Jesus, for my family. Sorry. So, Paul, how important
2: is family to you? You know what? Um, Because of how I was brought up, I had a mom and dad. And so there was that stability that was different than for Raquel, right? Um, I never had the questions about, oh, I wish I had my own family because I did. And so when we finally got married, um, I had my ambitions, my pursuits, I wanted music, wanted to record and all these things, and so those things began to happen, and I went right into it. And Raquel began saying, well, what about me? What about us as a family? And then when the kids came, I was still like, work, work, work. I've got to do this, right? Because it was so important. And Raquel was like, the family is the most important. As a pastoral family, um, we began to work with families. And to see the brokenness and the heartache of mothers, of fathers, and of the children, and to begin trying to bring healing. And sometimes um, healing couldn't happen at that time. And so you try to just share the love of God and encourage the people and pray with them so that their faith in God doesn't break apart even though their family life is breaking apart. You know, we're reminded that, although everyone will forsake us, God never forsakes His children. Dads, you need to stop working so much. The almighty dollar at the end of a person's life means nothing. I have been at the bedside of people when they're about to pull the machine off, and the family's all hanging around, and just speaking words of hope to those families, for the loved ones that are passing on. And you know what? Jesus is all in the business of healing brokenness. And we know that, you know, I lost my father. Um, He was 59 years of age. It was like 16 years ago almost, and he was killed in a workplace accident in Burnaby and that forever changed our life i remember my brother and i going to that place of his death and and weeping together because my father who had brought the you know that strong spiritual direction in our home and um, it just it was so hard to lose dad and of course mom now without dad and it's never the same but you know what as christians we have this hope and the hope we have is in jesus christ and that one day we will be reunited with moms, with dads, with grandparents, and maybe for some of you guys who are listening right now to your little babies that you lost. Family is the most important, and I thank God for this one who really taught me the value of families.
0: Paul, we've run out of time, but but I, I thank you for that encouraging note and I wonder if you could pray for us as we close.
2: Sure, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we want to thank you that although we may experience different things in our lives, that you are the Father who never gives up on us. I know that there are many listeners here today that are listening to this message and maybe hoped that they would have had a family that was together, that maybe they felt alone or abandoned, but that they in this moment will experience that you are a God who never forsakes and that they will see you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. So thank you for our listeners. Bless and keep them. Thank you so much for Mike and Renee for the amazing ministry. They, it is written, continues to do all these years And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen,
0: amen. Thank you very much, Paul and Raquel, for sharing your story and It Is Written with us today.
1: Friends, as Paul and Raquel shared the importance of making family first, we want to share with you a book that can help you build a stronger family. Our free offer for you is hope for today's families.
0: Hope for Today's Families offers you ideas and solutions that come from time-proven principles that can help you secure strong, stable relationships within your family. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. And thank you for your prayer requests and your generous financial support.
1: We want you to experience the truth found in the words of Jesus when He said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God.
3: A blanket for you. Thank you. It's relaxing.
2: Nesta data, querida.
3: Hello!